Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everyone. Today, we have the pleasure of combining our family and our communion services into one today. And the sermon time will be a little different than both services are used to. Um, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you some questions to get into the passage. The families and kids are used to answering these kinds of questions at the beginning of our story time. So I invite the kids, but also if you're a grown-up, I invite you to raise your hand and uh, and answer. Then uh, we will act out the passage with the help of volunteers from both services. You know who you are. No one will be surprised, don't worry. Um, Then I will ask a few more questions, and then all the volunteers will go back to your seats, and I will share a few words on the passage. Does that sound like a plan? Okay, great. So the passage today that we're going to look at is Isaiah chapter 61, verses 10 to 62, verse 3. And this is a passage I would have looked over. I'm familiar with the bit before, and I'm familiar with the bit after. And I would have totally looked over this section were it not for our new prayer book in the Anglican Church in North America. And it made me zero in on this. And I thought, well, thank you. There is actually a lot to see in this. So, um, This is written by the prophet Isaiah. And God chose Isaiah to be a prophet. And that means that his job in the Old Testament was to turn people back to God. And it also meant that God gave him visions of the rescuer that he would send. So his job was to turn people back like a car and also to give him visions of God's rescuer who was to come. Jesus quotes Isaiah chapter 61 when he starts his ministry. He quotes the bit before, the bit you'll recognize. (laughs) Um, He quotes it and he says, all of this has come true in me. And they tried to kill him. (laughs) So I highly recommend as your homework, Um, that you read Isaiah chapter 61 and 62 out loud this week. You will be blown away. So that's your homework, to go home and read it out loud. And it's a poem, and it goes back and forth. Isaiah talks to the people about God, and he says, God will free you. And then God talks back to Isaiah about his people, saying, I will bless them in front of all the nations. And the part that we are looking at is when Isaiah talks back to God. May I have my volunteers come up to help us retell this story and bring it to life. So we'll have Sean at the front of the line, and we'll have the Rogers next to him. And move over just a tiny bit so they can fit right here. And we have True, great, with your plant. And we have 
William here with a very important light, and we have Miss Karen here awaiting something. Um, okay, we are ready. Now, as we look at Isaiah 61, verse 10, Isaiah is overjoyed, and he greatly rejoices, and his soul exalts in the Lord. So, I am wondering, when was the last time you got that excited? When was the last time you greatly rejoiced? greatly rejoiced. Yes! On Christmas Day, when you got a golden locket. Yes, Christmas Day is a great time for greatly rejoicing. Okay, now here's another question. When was the first time you greatly rejoiced? Does anyone remember the first time? The first time. Do you want to explain for little people what's, what that is? It was in August and uh, um, the end of the war in Europe, Second World War in Europe. There was a big bonfire where we were for summer, uh, summer cottage and it shone a big V in the water. Uh, wow. And it was the whole community was there we were all rejoicing. Wow, wow. So the end of the Second World War. Dad remembers the whole, everybody he, he knew was outside rejoicing. There was a great bonfire and the reflection of a V in the water. Thank you for that. Isaiah rejoices because God has clothed him with very special clothes. Clothes that show God has saved him. God has cleaned him from sin and given him a robe of righteousness. So Sean has a robe of righteousness right there. It's kind of a cool one, and it's, it's a motorcycle jacket, right? Okay. Perfectly fits me. It's my motorcycle jacket. Yes. And I love motorcycles, so Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just like that, God had rescued Isaiah and made him feel so special and known. God's forgiveness sparkled on Isaiah um, like this robe of righteousness. Also, God's forgiveness was clothed on Isaiah like wedding clothes. We have our bride and groom here. God had cleaned up Isaiah's heart. And that's another way of understanding righteousness. God has cleaned up his heart. God's righteousness makes him feel like a groom who puts on a garland of flowers on his head, <laughs> on his wedding day. Thank you, Suzanne and Keith. Keith, don't you wish you, you wore this on your wedding day? <laughs> no pictures. No pictures. Okay. Okay. 
It's celebrating their verdant love. Um, and now, on his wedding day, Keith is no longer alone or ashamed. God has made him joyful and chosen. God saved Isaiah and made him feel special the way a bride does when she wears fancy jewelry on her wedding day. Suzanne is wearing pearls and a diamond ring. Yes, for all to see. Um, so she is sparkling like this diamond ring. Um, and this diamond ring celebrates her marriage to Keith. And she is special to God and to Keith. God not only blesses Isaiah by cleaning up his heart and making him joyful with that special robe of righteousness and like a bride and a groom, but he will save and redeem him before all nations. He will make righteousness and praise spring up like plants in a garden in the spring. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. <laughs> now these are potted plants. They're actually in soil and they're springing up and you can count on flowers to do that in the spring. And God is saying, just like that, count on my salvation to work out in you and to spring forth flowers. These are actually also from the garden of Miss Kay. She has more potted plants in her backyard than anyone I've ever seen in my life. And we're going to pray for her. She hurt her foot and True has stepped in. So thank you, True. Isaiah says he will not keep silent about this. He will keep telling his story of salvation, and he will keep telling his testimony of how wonderful it is for God to save him until all of God's people do it too. He will not be silent until their testimony is as a burning torch, a great brightness. So we have William here who just got this for Christmas. Oh my goodness. It is so bright. Maybe you could hide, shine it up in the ceiling so we can see how bright it is. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Meredith. Who's now blind? Thank you. That is so great, William. Thank you. So William is here with this bright light, and he will not, that bright light reminds us, he will not keep silent about what God has done in his life, what God has done in Isaiah's life and in William's life and in your life and my life. A bright torch. Thank you, William. You can, you can turn it off now. That'd be, that'd be so great. Thank you so much. Well, or you could just keep it, but that's fine. Whatever. You figure it out. Um, <laughs> good job. Okay. Isaiah will not keep silent until God vindicates the name of his people. And that, was, that one stuck out to me. I thought, what is he talking about with that? Until he vindicates the name of his people. And that, um, that means that God will clear our name and go after our enemies. He will go after Satan who tempted us. And he will go after the sin that made us ashamed and the people who told us lies about God. He will vindicate us and all the kings of the earth will call us by a new name, by God's name for us. We will not be called a failure 
or stupid or unwanted, we will be called, yes, yes, just like that, roaring, we will be called by God's name for us. A name a groom would call his bride, or a bride would call her groom. And all the kings of the earth will know, that is my child. That girl, that boy, belongs to the Almighty God. She is a crown on the Almighty God's head. And that is our final metaphor that Isaiah gives us in Isaiah 62, verse 3. Isaiah says to God's people, You will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. Thank you. And this Karen. With two crowns, beauteous. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. You are a royal diadem, which I had to look up, and it means a crown that is for royalty, as opposed to other crowns, but this one is for royalty. So um, you are a crown, a king or a queen's crown in the hand of your God. So Miss Karen is beautiful like a royal crown upon the almighty God's head. She glistens in the sun, and he is so proud to wear her. So I am wondering which one of these powerful pictures of God saving you do you like the best? Which one do you like the best? Skylar. Yes, what do you like the best? Karen, yes! beauty queen right here. Yeah. Anybody else? Which one do you like the best? Hmm. William has his hand up. Okay, we'll do mom and then William. I like the bride with her beautiful dress and more. Yes. That's your favorite. The, the bride with her jewels. I love that. Thank you. William, what was your favorite? I thought your light was very cool. It was the perfect prop. Anybody else? Your favorite one. Oh, Ryan. Thank you. one was true. Yes, with flowers springing forth. God making his salvation and his praise come up. Tom! Cloak of Righteousness. The Cloak of Righteousness. That was your favorite one. Yes. Wrapped around you. Like God's hug upon you. I like Keith the best. <laughs> Keith the best. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys have helped to bring this package to life. Uh, you can go back to your seat. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause. So I have one final thought. 
Um, I have one final thought as we go into the new year. How joyful are you about God saving you? Does his salvation feel distant or dull? Does it feel fresh and verdant and sparkly? The thing that strikes me about this passage is that Isaiah is so joyful because he remembers that from which he was saved. God has found his big wound and has healed all his other wounds along the way. Isaiah rejoices because he sees Jesus, the one who will redeem the curse of sin, the curse that began all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And when I looked at this passage and saw it as redeeming the curse of sin from the Garden of Eden, it opened up the whole passage to me. This curse affects us as adults when relationships go awry. This curse hurts us as children when our needs are not met. But it goes back even further from my lifetime or your lifetime, all the way back to when we turned away from God. And it happened in the first garden, the Garden of Eden, where God made a bride and a groom. They loved God and enjoyed him and enjoyed each other. But then they were tempted by a snake. Was it an ordinary snake? No. 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 It was Satan himself. And they believed him. They believed that they could be God and that they could do a better job than God. And with one bite of a piece of fruit, they turned away from God, from love, from home. And they were afraid for the first time. They hid from God for the first time. They were ashamed. They turned against each other. They were no longer bride and groom, but enemies. They would fight to rule over each other, and the ground would be full of weeds, full of famine, full of jobs that you don't like. They would wander, and other people would look at them and call them cursed. But God found them, and he promised the bride her offspring would crush the head of Satan even though he would suffer doing it. And one day, their name would be cleared. And one day, they would be brought home again. And God killed an animal, the first kill. And he made clothes for them so that they would not be cold. God clothed Adam and Eve with garments of salvation then. And God reminds Isaiah 
of his robe, of his garment of salvation, covering Adam and Eve, and covering all of us who have followed in their footsteps. He shows Isaiah that that robe would be Jesus himself. And Jesus would one day give his life and to take our sin into his wounds and to clothe us with his blood, with his righteousness, with his life. Jesus was that first garment in the Garden of Eden. And he is our robe of salvation now. Isaiah sees God's salvation undoing the curse and the first wound in the Garden of Eden. All our childhood and adult wounds find their root here. And Jesus saves us from the root. Adam and Eve, the first bride and groom, turned against one another. But in Isaiah, God rejoices as a groom and as a bride when he brings us home to him and as he brings the bride and groom together too. Is this your wound this morning? Do you feel rejected or unwanted or ashamed in your relationships the way they did? This is where he will do his saving work. He is undoing the curse in Jesus. The curse of sin in the Garden of Eden made the earth hard and full of thorns and disappointment. But Isaiah sees flowers springing from the ground. Jesus saves us in our work where we fail. In our place of failure, he makes righteousness and praise to God come forth like flowers in the spring. Is hardship in work your wound this morning? This is where he will do his saving work. The curse of sin made Adam and Eve alone. They hid, they isolated, They blamed each other instead of owning their mistakes. The curse made them too ashamed to admit their weakness. But Isaiah sees Jesus at work, saving us where others rejected us or said bad names about us. God vindicates our name before all the kings. Is that not what Jesus does when he says to the leper, go show yourself to the priest? Or what he does when he says to the woman with the flow of blood, who touches him in the crowd, who touched me? And she has to be exposed in front of everybody. Or is that not what he does to the woman at the well when she goes back to her village and says, he told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They were alone. They were ashamed. They were afraid. They were stuck. Sin does that to us. And then Satan does that to us because of our sin. But Jesus saved them from their sin and vindicated their name and did it and cleared their name in front of the crowd, in front of her village, in front of his hometown, 
in front of the priest. He cleared their name. He clears our name before others and said, he is mine, she is clean, they are saved. And then he goes after Satan and the sin, taking its power. And he does this by making us share our testimony, share our struggles. Like Isaiah who said, I will not keep silent until Jerusalem's salvation is a burning torch, a light in the darkness. He goes after our enemies and clears our names, but he does this by convicting us of sin and saving us first. What is your story of how he made your sin into something beautiful, like clothes of salvation? Sin does not make us alone anymore because it brings us to Jesus. And we have a story of him saving us and it helps others who need to be saved in that area too. So sin does not make us alone, but he brings us into his life-giving family where we rejoice in our weakness and point to him in it. My last note on this passage is that Isaiah sees something special about these robes of salvation that the Garden of Eden does not have. And that is the part that shows us we're ever going forward into the promises of God, into the promises that he has for us and into heaven. Isaiah sees that we are a royal crown upon God's head, who is the King of Kings. I didn't notice any jewels in the Garden of Eden. You know they were there, they were deep in the earth being formed, but they weren't really spoken about. The jewels and the crown, there's so much jewelry in this passage. It took, it made me take note. Um, he redeems our sins, so now that we sparkle and twinkle from that very place. That makes me feel pretty special. He will turn our wound, our weakness, into a testimony of his grace. You are beautiful in the Lord. And he will find you where you are alone and put you in community and celebrate your redemption. God and Jesus rejoice over you. He rejoiced to save us from sin, to heal our wounds. So wherever we hurt most right now will become where we exalt in God the greatest, where we sparkle the brightest, where we know our worth the deepest, and where we minister the strongest. He promises. Amen.